Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 467 of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. Today's show is about things you don't have to do in your fitness journey, some things that are kind of recommended super often in the industry. And to be honest, some people think you need to make progress, but the reality is you don't need these things. While they can be very beneficial, it's not where most of your energy and effort should go. And I think that's kind of an important clarification before I get into today's topic is that I'm not saying any of these things are bad. In fact, I do. Let's see, I have listed here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things. Um, and out of the ten, I probably do eight of them. Um, maybe six to seven for sure. And um, I, because I am passionate about fitness, it's like a go-to hobby for me for years and years now. And it's something I kind of want to optimize. But for the average person that just wants to see results, it's totally not necessary. And even for an advanced person, it's not needed. It's just something that can be added on top of things to see maybe better progress or have fun with it and experiment a little bit. Uh, But it doesn't mean that these things are bad. It just means they're not needed. So I wanted to get to mention that first before we get started. I'll talk a little bit about my own journey today, but I want to get into the topic a little bit quicker today than normal. Um, Just wanted to give an update on the gaining phase that I'm running right now. Uh, So kind of to recap, finished a uh, six week or so cut uh, in the early fall after kind of gaining, I mean, most of 2023 and seeing some excellent progress, really transitioning now just to the home gym in the basement instead of doing any outside training with strongman stuff, mainly because of the weather and uh, not wanting to touch cold metal if it's, you know, 20 degrees outside, which it will be pretty soon here. Uh, So mainly working in the home gym, which usually means a little bit more hypertrophy work and kind of using that as a phase. Um, trying some new exercises in my training that I'm interested in. And this is one of those things that these exercises aren't needed. It's just experimentation to see if I like some of these, what the results I get from including these exercises are and the benefits I find. So a few of them are, I'm kind of trying out pullovers in a lot of different styles um, with free weights. So I do a lot of straight arm cable pull downs. If you're watching the video on Stoltz Fit YouTube, you can see kind of how, how I'm doing it. But pulling a cable down from a high point with straight arms down to about the waist or belly button, that's a great lat exercise. Uh, I do that one all the time, but I've started to add more dumbbell pullovers uh, with both bent and straight arms. So trying on back days like a bent arm pullover with a barbell where I'm kind of going behind my head with elbows about 90 degrees, maybe a little bit more, and uh, getting a good stretch on the lats that way on a decline or incline bench. On actually chest days, I'm including kind of straight arm dumbbell pullovers where I'm going all the way above my head with my upper back supported on a bench. And again, if you're watching the video, you can see it. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you might just have to uh, look it up or trust me on this. Uh, But maybe I'll fill in some workouts, including some pullovers here in the next week or two. Um, But I'm enjoying them for a couple reasons. It's not one you feel like a super good stimulus, especially on the chest. Um, if you include that on your push days, but it definitely is working that area because if you do a compound set of 
a pullover to a fly or a pullover to a press, you are a little bit taxed on the chest as you know, moving into the second movement. So it obviously is doing something. It's just a unique position for the shoulder and the pec that you're not used to. And I think that's the main benefit I'm getting from it is that my shoulder mobility is really improving. Just having to be forced with weight over your head, thoracic extension, I guess is what it would really be called. But you know, being able to get your arms and shoulders into like an overhead press position is kind of what it's forcing you into. And I'm seeing a lot of mobility benefits, feeling really good and mobile and loose and eliminating some soreness and tightness that comes around a lot for me in my upper back and traps. So I'm really enjoying that for mobility. Tried a little bit of reverse grip bench. Um, it's kind of shown to be very good activation for the upper chest. If you hold your barbell bench kind of with an underhand grip or your palms facing your head instead of a normal barbell bench grip, going to be honest, wasn't a fan of those. Um, I tried them for a few workouts in a row for push days. And I mean, you feel your chest, but it's also awkward, feels a bit unsafe, didn't feel great on my wrists. I eliminated that one. So just to be honest, I did try it, didn't enjoy it. That one's out of the program now. Um, and then I'm really playing with a lot of different cable variations to find different variations to movements I do already. Things like cable flies, cable curls. Like I'm, I tried a seated cable fly with my bench at an incline instead of vertically. So it kind of becomes more of like a decline fly to where your hands end up. I like that one a lot. One that I love that I'll mention is, and you know, this is only so good on a podcast. I'll have to make a video a training video to show you guys on the Stoltz Fit YouTube channel. But um, something that I have been doing is on lat pulldowns, instead of grabbing a bar and doing lat pulldowns, hooking ab straps to where you would put your elbows in for leg raises and stuff, hooking those to the pulldown attachment and then looping your elbows in and doing pull downs with your arms at 90 degrees pulling right through your elbows and the back stimulus to get on that is crazy because you are really driving with your elbows which is essentially the cue you always want to do it's just harder to do that when you have straight arms so enjoying that one too um, for higher reps i really like that um the diet when i'm kind of in this phase becomes a little bit looser you know that's usually what i recommend for clients too is like it is important to still track and make sure your surplus doesn't turn into a dirty bulk and you're just gaining a bunch of body fat. But I don't want clients or myself to be super strict and rigid and disciplined and, you know, just persnickety, for lack of a better word, um, about their diet year round. I don't want them to lose out on social events, holidays, vacations. I want them to have a little bit of flexibility for a lot of the year. So if it's in maintenance or a surplus, you can have a little bit of flexibility. I still track my food, but for example, if I put a serving of rice on my plate, I'll probably just mark it one cup. Um, if I, you know, I don't track green vegetables, I will, like if I have cookies, I'll just mark them one, two, three cookies instead of weighing out the cookies, which would be ideal if you're trying to lose weight. So I am a little bit looser. If I go out to eat, sometimes just not track that day um, instead of trying to do it at the restaurant, enjoy myself a little bit more and be less rigid. Um, and then hobby wise, because of the colder weather and less outside work and chores and stuff, kind of getting into more hobbies like golf simulator. I talked about that last year, something that I bought on black Friday that 
I've been doing a lot, trying to improve the golf game a little bit. And what I really like about that is that it's kind of showing, um, for me, you know, I'm kind of nerdy about it, but it shows trouble with mobility and movement uh, in a real world way that you can't just mask. So for example, if I'm trying to get a good rotation on the swing and I'm really stiff on the back swing or something, it's like, oh, I know I have like this tightness and mobility in my upper back that I need to address through training or mobility work. So it's kind of a way to expose these things and then I can work on them in the gym instead of just adding strength and muscle and just kind of blindly going with that and then find out your tight way down the road. We're going to do the fitness quote of the day and um, kind of get on with today's episode about 10 things you don't need in your fitness journey. The fitness quote of the day is really not a quote. It's just a concept to compare yourself only to yourself, compare you to you. Social media age when everything, it's super easy to compare your progress to where you think you should be because of a social media influencer, an actor, a singer, a celebrity, someone on a magazine, even someone you see at the gym. It's easy to look for the route to get to where that person is and be frustrated if you're not there in a given amount of time. What's important though is to look for improvement, right? You're improving where you were at a previous time. So 2024 Jordan should be in a fitter, healthier, stronger place than 2022 Jordan in general. It doesn't have to be, I have to have this much muscle, this measurement, this look. It just needs to be improvement on yourself because everyone's different genetically, metabolically, hormonally, um, and structurally. So you're going to look different and you, everyone starts somewhere too. An improvement for the rock might be six ounces of muscle this year. An improvement for a complete beginner might be 12 pounds of muscle this year. So you have different goals depending on where you're at and everyone starts somewhere. So you just need to look for improvement on yourself. And this is really hard to remember, especially for people just getting into it. You think you want to look a certain way or like a certain person and it gets frustrating when you're not there. Uh, but what you're really looking for is improvement on yourself. Remember, this is a long journey not a short one. Improvements, what matters progress over time. So let's get into the topic today about things you don't have to do in your fitness journey. I think I might just jam right through these because there is 10. I'm sure I could get talking about each one for quite a long time, but I want to roll through this a little bit quicker and keep today's episode shorter and more actionable for you. So we'll go through these. Number one, you don't have to eliminate foods or food groups. It's that time of year. Marketing's going to be in full swing. People trying to sell programs, books, concepts, coaching. Remember, balance is fine. You don't have to eliminate carbs, fat, sugar. You don't have to eliminate entire things to see progress. There isn't a food, a nutrient, a type of food, processed foods aren't bad. Sugar is not bad. Artificial sweetener is not bad. Carbs aren't bad. Uh, none of these are bad by themselves and will directly cause weight gain or lack of weight loss. What causes that is excess calories, which like I said earlier, this doesn't mean uh, everything's free game or you know these things aren't things you need to be careful of because what things like sugar processed foods do is makes it easier to overeat calories but it's important to realize it's not the foods themselves. 
it allows you a much more free mindset, a lot less stress, and a lot more freedom in um, how you can stick to your diet in different situations. If you're scared of carbs and you go to an Italian restaurant, it's going to be a little bit tricky, right? You're going to be stressed. You're not sure what to order. You're going to be worried about the impact on your progress. If you know how weight loss really works and you know what is the root underlying cause of everything for most people, um, it makes it a whole lot easier. There are, of course, little variances here and there depending on your situation, like I would say, you know, carbs aren't good for someone who has celiac disease. Um, Sugar, excess sugar is not good for someone who's diabetic. There are, of course, medical conditions to consider. But for the most part, balance is fine as long as calories are controlled and protein is met. And that's usually the key. Um, Number two is you don't have to do excessive or super intense cardio. Nothing wrong with cardio, and there's nothing wrong with intense cardio. I do sprints here and there. I do sled work. I like to do jump rope, heavy bag. All these things are excellent for getting in shape and healthier. But you don't have to do them if they're intimidating to you. If you're just on your journey starting out, you know, and you don't want, you you're kind of, you know, intimidated by the idea of having to do intense cardio. Remember, you don't have to. You can get in a very, very good place aesthetically, performance-wise, and health-wise with just some weightlifting and some walking. That's really all you have to do. And in fact, if you're just trying to lose weight, you can get by with one or two weightlifting sessions per week, full body sessions, and then a lot of walking to hit your step goal. It can be very minimal. You can actually get a lot of progress without pushing yourself super hard on the cardio. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They think they need to lose weight so they start running. They need to lose weight, so they you know, join a spin class or something really intense, and they burn out. You don't have to do that. It can help. There's nothing wrong with it, uh, except it's hard to stick to and start for a lot of people because it is intimidating. Want some progress? Walk three, 4,000 steps more than you did last week. Eat a little bit less. Weight train maybe once or twice a week to retain your muscle. You're good. It's actually way more simple than people make it out to be, and you don't have to push yourself as hard as you think. Number three, you don't need to dirty bulk or do aggressive cuts. If you want to lose fat, you don't have to starve yourself. If you want to gain muscle, you don't have to eat everything in sight. The reality is your surpluses and deficit can be quite small. Uh, if you're just three, 400 calories below where you maintain, you can stay there for most of your weight loss phase and be just fine as long as you're active enough adherent enough and staying consistent. Um, And then for your muscle gain phase, a couple hundred calories above maintenance is really all you need for a slow gain. You don't need to do anything aggressive or extreme, which is kind of a common thing. I talk about this a lot where you make your goals when you're motivated quite often. And then when you're not motivated, that that comes back to bite you. You might think you can stick to a 1200 calorie diet today if you're feeling you know, all inspired and motivated. But if you go six weeks and then are traveling, it's a lot harder to stick to that 1200 calorie diet. Or maybe you have something come up, you're stressful, you have family problems, work problems. All of a sudden that big lofty goal becomes a lot trickier to stick to. So make realistic goals, slight deficit, slight surplus, and stay consistent. Remember, it's a longer journey. Don't try for quick results. That hardly ever works out. Number four is you don't need to be in the gym every day. I touched on this already. You can get a lot of the way there with just a few sessions a week. 
a lot of walking outside the gym or just an active hobby like a sport or hiking or walking your dog or something is just fine. And weightlifting wise, you can make muscle gains, you can make strength gains, you can see a lot of progress with three sessions per week, four sessions per week is about the sweet spot for everybody. You can even do two sessions per week, though, or even one if you're just getting started. One is better than zero, two is way better than zero, and two is actually way better than one. The amount of better that it gets, the more sessions you add, becomes smaller and smaller, the more frequency you have. For example, six sessions is barely better than five. Five sessions is barely better than four. Four sessions is a little bit better than three. Three's a good amount better than two. Two is a lot better than one, and one is infinitely better than zero. So the more sessions you add, the less important it is to add those sessions. So at least get to one or two. Three would be great. Four would be even better, but you don't have to be in the gym every day and make it you know, a main part of your day. It can just be a pretty flexible thing you add in a couple times a week, hit some full body sessions or upper lowers or something, and you will be perfectly fine. Number five is you don't have to avoid treats or experiences. Again, there are no bad foods. If you have some Halloween candy, that doesn't mean it's going to ruin your diet. If you have two Christmas cookies, that doesn't mean your weight loss is sabotaged for that week or even that day. You can work in treats or social events or restaurants or experiences into your diet. And as long as you have some moderation and self-control and get right back on the wagon the very next day, uh, you're perfectly fine. And that last thing is what I find is more important. It's not about avoiding things or even controlling portions. It's about not letting that spiral into three days in a row, a week in a row, two weeks in a row. It's about getting right back on track and, um, you know, just not doing that super regularly, I guess. What you do consistently on average is what matters. A few Christmas cookies, a big Thanksgiving dinner, going out to a steakhouse, those things, if they happen once in a while, it's not going to ruin your diet. What is going to ruin your diet is not tracking for two weeks straight you know, not tracking your dessert, having a cheat day every single week. Like those are the things that are going to interrupt your progress. What won't is just random treats or experiences. So I'm all for living your life and working things in. And the cool thing about knowing there aren't good or bad foods and that really anything can fit in a healthy diet with balance is um, you have that freedom and you don't have to stress or worry about those things, which usually ends up worse than actually eating and enjoying those things anyways. Number, boy, I'm starting to forget where I am here. One, two, three, four, five. I think I'm on six. Number six, you don't have to train on vacation. This is something that I get a lot of questions on. Surprisingly, it's like, oh, I'm going on a trip for six days. What should I do for my workouts if I don't have the gym around me? My answer almost always, unless the person is like prepping for a powerlifting meet, a competition, or really serious about fitness over everything, it's just take the days off, you know, stay active, take some walks, go see the cities you're in, go see the, go, you know, I don't know, take a hike once in the week or something. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Just enjoy your time on vacation and um, don't worry about training or even sticking to your diet. You don't have to, you know, stress that a short period of time in relation to your whole year is going to ruin your progress for the entire time. Again, you have to look at the journey as a whole. What are you doing on average over 12 months, not just 12 weeks, right? 
a week might seem a big deal out of a 12-week diet. A week's not a big deal out of a 52-week year. So I am way more on the team of just enjoy yourself, um, have some moderation and control, and you know don't stress about holding yourself back for some goal that's long-term anyways. Number seven is you don't have to do the big three. This is kind of a controversial one that I do have opinions on, but I don't think you have to squat, bench, and deadlift to see excellent fitness progress. Those are fundamental movements in the sense a press, a hinge, a squat is like basic movement patterns that you'll probably need to do uh, to see good progress, you know, but they can be done in many different ways. You could do a leg press instead of a squat. You could do a Romanian deadlift instead of a deadlift. You could do dumbbell deadlifts instead of barbells. You could do a chest machine instead of a bench press. Like it doesn't have to be the free weight barbell, you know, cold iron type of movements. You don't have to do those to see muscle gains or fat loss. And I think that they are way too prescribed uh, for the benefits they give. Number eight is you don't have to supplement. Supplements barely do anything. I think the most valuable thing you could do is add a protein powder because it's going to help you hit your protein goal. But after that, even a proven supplement like creatine won't do very much. I do take fish oil, vitamin D, and a multivitamin and creatine. Most of that's not doing much. I do think there's some value in fish oil if you don't eat a lot of omega-3s via fish. And vitamin D, just because of where I live, is a little bit deficient sometimes, I think. Uh, But those aren't doing that much. And honestly, you don't need to worry about supplements. Save your money. Only add those if you're really trying to optimize things. Number nine, you don't have to do specialized mobility work. A lot of your mobility is going to be taken care of by the things I mentioned. Full range of motion weight training a couple times a week and staying active with an active hobby or walking. Stretching, foam rolling, mobility drills, that can all be helpful. And it's definitely not something I'm against. I do a lot of it, but it's not something you have to stress about if you just want to get pain-free in shape and look better. Um, Surprisingly, a lot of that mobility is taken care of just by good form on exercises and intelligent overload over time. So don't worry too much about perfect mobility and perfect um, range of motion on everything before you can actually add weight. The movements themselves will take care of that. Number 10, you don't have to do specialized recovery techniques either, like ice baths and sauna. Those are super trendy right now. Um, I'm not against them at all. Actually, I think they have a lot of value, but again, you don't have to do them and to get frozen from making any progress at all because you feel like you have to do those things that are very uncomfortable. Um, it's not the truth. You don't have to do things that are super uncomfortable. You just have to be a little more active, eat a little bit less, weight train a little bit, and you're good to go. It's not as complicated as the fitness industry most of the time makes it out to be. And that's usually my message here on this podcast is to simplify, 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 make fitness a part of your life that's just easily plugged in instead of having to work your entire life around your fitness goals. And, you know, it shouldn't require David Goggins type discipline all the time to be in really great shape, feel good, be healthy, live a long life and enjoy your time here on this earth. Um, And that's all I have for today. I have to run. I got an appointment to go to, but I will talk to you guys later. If you guys have any questions, you can put them in the comments. If you're on YouTube, Stoltz Fit, and uh, you can shoot me an email if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, jordanstoltzfitness at gmail.com. 
I put that in the description of the show so you can contact me. Thank you for listening to another show. Go subscribe over on YouTube at Salts Fit and TikTok at Salts Fit. Talk to you guys later. Take it easy.